Hey friends, welcome back to the Tailwinds and Sunshine podcast, episode number seven. Most of you will be happy to know that this episode is not about current events. Although I really, really wanted this episode to be about the recent close calls that we've gotten. There's been more than the ones I talked about, and they are getting out of control. I have a theory that I've been thinking about as to why this is happening. I also had a discussion with an air traffic controller friend of mine, and we both kind of agree on certain topics about why this is happening now and why this is very concerning how these incidents are getting close to becoming serious incidents or, you know, to the point where we might damage aircraft and potentially have loss of life. But this episode is not about that. It's going to be all about non-ref travel. So I'm going to be talking about what non-ref travel is, how to gain access to this wonderful benefit, So if you have an airline employee friend of yours, how to diplomatically ask to get on their benefits, how much it costs, how to navigate different airlines, etiquette regarding non-revving and jump seating. And also I'm going to be talking about apps, applications that I use to help me non-rev and how to treat others while you're doing non-rev. So I'm going to be talking in depth about non-rev travel. I said non-rev like 20 times already. Non-rev, non-rev, non-rev. Anyways, this and more on today's episode. Let's go. Hey folks from the flight deck, this is your captain speaking. Welcome to the Tailwinds and Sunshine podcast where we talk everything aviation. I am your host, Manny Ramirez. It's always a pleasure to have you on board. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. So it's been two weeks since I've released an episode, and I think most of it has been because I've been busy. I was in Hawaii. I visited the island of Kona. For I was there for two nights, came back to da, the mainland, Denver, and went back to work. And I just have been busy. But also, over the last couple of weeks, a lot has happened. It has been a roller coaster of emotions over the last couple of weeks. Work has been kicking my butt, guys. It really has. There has been um, a lot of thinking, a lot of introspection. I've been in my feels a lot over the last couple of weeks. Uh, just been feeling insecure about what I'm doing, unsure of what's happening because it is. Uh, although it is a hobby, I feel the pressure of doing the best that I can. That I want this podcast to be liked by you guys. That you know to be entertaining, to be informative, and sometimes I doubt myself that I can do that. You know, even though I said it from the outset of 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 this podcast of, of this show, that it's just for me to make my own thoughts on recording. And if whoever wants to listen to, great. If they like it, awesome. If they don't, well, you know, that's fine. And it's just about me. But I do care what people think about the podcast, and I really want to do my best. When I started this, I said. I really wanted to have my ducks in a row. I wanted to make sure that I had the proper audio equipment. I wanted. To, I started thinking a lot about the podcast. And to be honest with you, I've been thinking about this for at least a year and a half that I wanted to start this, but I never really took action. And I decided to just 
take a dive. Just jump off the cliff and start recording regardless if I had anything ready. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to polish this along the way. As I go, it's going to get better. And that's what I want. And I promise you that it's going to get better. I want to become a better communicator. And through your feedback has helped me become a better communicator hopefully as time goes on and i know it will the quality of the show is going to get better just because trial and error what works what doesn't and i'm going to be able to kind of narrow down my uh, niche market i guess you can say or my audience because right now it's most of the episodes have been about more pilot related incidents or current news and i want to kind of expand to something more which is the reason for this episode i'm going to be talking about non-rev travel but i also want to talk about training i want to bring guests that kind of give insight into how to become a pilot how to become a ramper or an air traffic controller stuff like that so i want to give you an insight into everything aviation so this podcast is about everything aviation from rampers all the way to air traffic control so everything in between so the last couple of weeks have been really tough for me because I've just been introspection, work has been busy, it's been really stressful. And then on top of that, I travel a lot between Colorado and Nevada because I need to visit family, I need to uh, visit my dog, and it's just, it can be very taxing for me to work on the podcast even though i enjoy recording sometimes i have absolutely no motivation to do so and over the past couple of weeks actually i think it was a week and a half ago i was just really in my fields and i wanted to put out an episode that i was just being very vulnerable very raw and i decided not to post that and with and i'm glad i didn't post that and it's sort of like the same concept where you are told that if you are gonna if do not write an email or send a text message when you're super emotional you want to write it sleep on it and come back and read it and see if that's something that you meant or if your if your feelings change and i typically tend to do that is that i reflect on my feelings and put it on tape and then i decide if i want to post it or not and that was definitely not something i wanted to post but it helped me process my feelings and my thoughts as to what i wanted the next episode to be and this is the result of my introspection this is episode seven so I am very thankful for all of you there to listen that actually take the time to download and listen to me rant. I appreciate the feedback because it, like I said, I want to become a better communicator and it's helping me just my speech and helping me in how to interview and helping me how to grow as an individual as well. So I, I thank you for that feedback and I thank you for your ratings because it, it really does help or your messages and your support because I want to become better. And I hope that you come with me on this journey to become a better podcaster or, or just a, a, a kind of a liaison to this community that we're, we're building together. So thank you so much for that. But anyways, enough of that. Let's talk about what non-rev travel is all about. All right. So what does non-rev stand for? So non-rev stands for non-revenue, meaning the airline is not making any money off of this booking. And this booking is what we call standby. So you are a non-revenue standby position, which means the airline prioritizes you, kind of your priority is at the bottom of the barrel. So first it's going to be paid customers. Then after that, it's going to be positive space employees that are getting moved around. 
Third is going to be pot, uh, sorry revenue standby, so people pay to be on that standby list, or they were moved from one flight. Let's say their flight got canceled. So the company automatically puts them on a standby list for the next flight out, and that way they're considered revenue standbys. And then last but not least, we have our our non-revenue standby, which is all air, uh, airline employees. And within that non-revenue standby list, there's also a hierarchy of, of seniority. So it comes by your date of hire. So how, how long you've been at the company. So the longer you've been at the company, the higher on the list you're going to be. So a lot of times, I've only gotten bumped off a few times, but most of the time I am kind of towards the bottom or the middle of the list. So it's definitely non-rev travel is not for the faint of heart because sometimes you will not make it on the flight that you were intending to. And I want to talk about those misconceptions of what non-revenue or a lot of people have this, oh, we have a buddy pass. And people think that having a buddy pass, quote unquote, is just the air, air, airline employee just handing them a voucher that guarantees them a trip somewhere. So here you go. Here's your ticket. They can they can redeem it for whatever they wherever they want to go. That is not it. That'd be super nice, but the airlines will be losing a ton of money on stuff like that, right? So is that that's not how it works. So non-rev travel is extended to all airline employees. So it doesn't matter if you're a pilot or a flight attendant, you can be a gate agent. You can also be a, uh, a dispatcher, operations, etc. So this benefit is extended to all airline employees. I am lucky enough that because I work for SkyWest, that we have four major partners and I am extended benefits on all of our partners, which are American, United, Delta, and Alaska. So I'm able to travel or be uh, have the benefit for non-rev travel in all of our partners, which is really nice, but it comes at a cost because I'll give you an example. I'll use United as an example. So for United, it's kind of default. You just have to be an employee of SkyWest. They extend you that because we are partner with United. They'll extend that benefit to us. And now the benefit might be slightly different for uh, regional partners than they are for the mainline partners. It might be a slightly uh, there might be slight differences. I'm not sure. But for me, I just have to book on the United app. I go in there, list myself. I pay absolutely nothing. If I want to upgrade to first class or Polaris, if I want to have that option, and if there is availability, I will have to pay a fee for that. So that's an addition. My parents are automatically also added to my list and they just pay segment fees. So they would pay if they want to fly to Indiana or they want to fly to Omaha, then they just have to pay average price for one segment or one leg is around $40. So that's tip, that's a typical price. So anywhere they want to go within the United States, it's about $40. If they want to go international, it's a little bit more. I typically put them, uh, I book them on uh, first class or Polaris if it's a, there's availability. And then we just pay, the, we pay about, I think it's like the average is about $130. Again, that's just with United. Delta is a little bit different. You have to pay a yearly fee regardless if you're an employee or direct employee or you're uh, of uh, Delta. So I would have to pay a fee for that so I can have access to the non-rev, uh, metal, uh, non-rev travel. Additionally, I have benefits on SkyWest Metal. What do I mean by SkyWest Metal? SkyWest Metal means that if we are operating the flight, so if there's a flight from, let's say, Denver to LA and it's operated under American Eagle, 
but it's still our aircraft, I get to non-rep for free. Uh, it doesn't matter. I don't have to pay anything. I just go to the gate agency. I want to list on the, I want to get on the standby list. I fly for free. So my parents as well. And if it's our metal, it's absolutely free. But if it's actual uh, mainline aircraft, so a 737, etc., then we would have to pay the yearly fee on the partner. Now, how does it work if you are not an airline employee and you just have a friend that's an airline employee and you want to get on their benefits? So, again, non-rev travel is not for the faint of heart. So, I want to tell you what non-rev is all about, okay? I had a discussion recently with a friend that I offered to have him on my benefits. I said, hey, I have a spot for you open. I can I can drop you in there whenever you want it. And as we've been talking about it for about a year and a half or so, but finally he asked me, I think he has a trip planned down to South America, uh, or I believe it's Mexico, Cancun. And he said, hey, how about those benefits? How about you add me? And I said, okay, great. But full disclosure, and this is what I told him. If you have plans, if you need to meet a specific calendar date, if you have reservations already, if you're meeting a group and you're going, you have hotels or something, non-rev may not be for you because non-rev, you're on a standby list. You're not guaranteed positive space. Positive space means you have a guaranteed seat on the aircraft. So if for whatever reason you don't make it, now you are stuck and you have to wait for another flight. It's nice if there's multiple flights leaving on the same airline to the same destination the same day, but you could potentially get in yourself in a situation where it's the only flight and now you didn't make it. Now you have a reservation, you didn't show up, you didn't check in, they cancel your reservation because you there was a no-show. Now you're stuck at your destination once you finally make there, once you finally make it there, you're not going to have a hotel. So it's very it can be pretty edgy if you have reservations. Also, if you're waiting, if you are part of a group, if they're waiting for you, or if you have a tour that you need to make it to, uh, non-rev travel may not be for you because there is a possibility of you not making that flight. It has happened to me. I'll give you an example. Uh, a friend of mine, we decided to go to Sydney. So we were in uh, Las Vegas. We said, hey, let's go to Australia. Got it. So we took a flight from Vegas to LA. We had a nice lay, uh, long layover, and we hung out in LA. Then we back. We met. We went back to the airport, and we waited. And we waited. We were on a standby list. We say, "Hey, we're going to make it." But it turns out that this flight to Sydney was weight restricted, so weight uh, optimized. They call it. So they only took a very limited amount of non rev of non rev travelers or standby. And the rest of us were said, sorry, you didn't make it, you know, try again tomorrow or whatever. And on top of that, it was, I think it was Memorial Day weekend or something like that. It was a major holiday. So we didn't make it. So we had already packed. We had already even, even paid for our visa to go to Australia, but we didn't make it. So now what? Our suitcases were full of clothes that were more for fall weather in Australia. It was in September, I believe. And now we had to quickly scramble to figure out where we were going to go. So we decided to, let's go to Alaska. Okay, let's go to Alaska. So I started looking for a flight that would connect us to go to Alaska to, uh, I believe, is Anchorage. So I found a flight. Okay, we're going to have to fly from LA to Chicago, Chicago to Anchorage. Okay, got it. So we listed ourselves for the flight to Chicago. Didn't make it. By this time, it was almost two o'clock in the morning. 
So we were just tired. And I said, you know what? Let's just get a hotel right here in LA, close to the airport. We ended up getting a, a room at the Motel 6. And we said, we'll reconvene again tomorrow and we'll figure it out. Next morning, we start looking at the loads uh, and see what was availability and if we're going to be able to make it. And I noticed that there was a flight to Hawaii that connected to Guam. And I told my friend, well, I've never been to Guam. Have you ever been? Nope, never been to Guam. Well, I guess we're going to Guam because that's the only available option that we could possibly maybe make it. So we said, okay, let's just do this. Let's go ahead and try go to Guam. So we go back to the airport. And once we are there, we were literally the last two people that got on the flight from L.A. to Honolulu. Last two. We almost didn't make it. Now, can you imagine if you have a family that's trying to get to Guam? If you have even one more person, but most families have two, you know, two kids. And imagine that. Now trying to get four people on the same plane when there's only two seats available. So that limits your available your flexibility to get somewhere. So we ended up getting into uh into Hawaii. We spent the night. It was a long layover. So we had to get a we had to get a hotel in Honolulu for the night. So that's an, an additional expense that wasn't planned. We got a car, we had a really good time, and then the next morning we left for Guam and we spent the, an amazing time in Guam and we made it back and coming back was its own ordeal of its own because there was two flights, one of them was leaving from Honolulu, so we from Guam to Honolulu wide open. We got first class, we were in Polaris, it was awesome. But flying from Honolulu back to the mainland it was difficult because they were packed. So there was two flights, one from Honolulu to San Francisco, one from Honolulu to L.A. And with our luck, those two flights were in the complete opposite sides of the airport. So my friend sat around close to the gate from the Honolulu to San Francisco flight, and I sat next to the gate of the Honolulu to L.A. flight. And we were both monitoring live the loads of the, of the, of the aircraft and see when we got our names called. So I listed ourselves for both flights. Finally, my friend uh, got called and we got seats on the Honolulu to San Francisco flight. So I had to literally run across the airport in Honolulu to make it to that Honolulu to San Francisco flight. And we made it. Then after that, we made it to San Francisco. We had a couple hours. Then the ordeal happened again because we had to make sure that we were going to make it on that flight from uh, San Francisco to Las Vegas. So as you can see, you have to be super flexible. All throughout this trip, we had absolutely no plans. We booked our hotels and the cars as we were going along, which can potentially be more expensive. So we were packed for fall weather. We had absolutely no swimming gear. We had nothing with us, and we ended up in Guam. So we had to go to Ross, uh, Ross there in Guam and get you know swimming trunks and, and flip-flops, etc. So we have to be very flexible. Now, you can imagine how it can be more difficult having kids or having more people, right? So it can be very, very difficult. So you have to be very flexible. I also took a trip to the UK in May of last year with the same friend. And we did not book the hotel until I was on the plane. I bought Wi-Fi on the plane, and then I went ahead and booked our hotel while we were en route 
to London. So we also flipped a coin. We were like, should we go to Munich or should we go to London? And we did literally a, a coin toss and we ended up going to London. So you have to be super flexible. Also, because if you have work and you have to ask for particular days off, now if you don't make it one day, now you just ate up an entire day of that of your days off. So you have to be super, super flexible. So that's what non-rev travel is all about. Now, how do you ask your friend to get on the benefits? So if you know of an airline employee friend of yours that has benefits, you need to first ask, hey, would it be okay if I get in your benefits and I'll pay the yearly fee if there is one? Or I'll even pay the fee for yours as well. I'll pay for yours. If you are flexible enough and non-rev travel is for you, you said, yeah, absolutely. Hell yeah. I'll be able to travel whenever I want. Then you need to ask your friend. I'll say, hey, if you have a slot, I would love to be in your benefits and I'll pay the fee if you allow me to. So offer to pay the yearly fee because sometimes, for example, Delta, I don't, to be able to have the benefits for me, for myself and my, and my family, I have to pay around $250 a year. And then any additional travel buddy, I think we have one or two travel companions on Delta. There's no additional fee. However, um, if a friend would come and ask, Hey, can I get, can I get part of that benefits? I'll say, absolutely. But it's going to be $200. So I will have them foot the bill for the fee. So if they want to be on it, if you want it to be on it, offer to pay that fee. Now, and understand that some of these are going to have segment fees on top of that. So it's not going to be entirely free and that you're going to be on the standby list. So you have to be super, super flexible. Okay. So I kind of alluded to how to uh, plan the perfect non-ref trip. The perfect non-rift trip does not exist. <laughs> so you have to be super flexible because you might end up, just like my example of the Australia trip, you might want to go somewhere, but you might end up in an entirely different region of the world. And that is the fun part about being non-rift travel is that you literally have, you can go to the airport and start looking at different flights and say, hey, we might end up in Cincinnati, we might end up in Paris or Mexico City. We don't know. That's the fun part about it. But if that's too much for you, it's definitely something, and I can understand it because we want, you know, if we, especially if you have very restrictive plans, then there's definitely not for you. I have bought, purchased my own ticket somewhere because I just don't, I need to make sure I am somewhere that I need to meet a, or need to be back to work, etc. I I purchased my own ticket and luckily has been, or I use my own miles, uh, you know, with United Mileage Plus, I use my own miles to purchase tickets. I've purchased that for my family sometimes because we need to make it somewhere, but you need to be able to uh, plan it. But the planning portion of it is really is the key thing is not to make any reservations at any hotel until you are pushing back from the gate. And even then, I would wait until you're in en route to your destination, purchase uh, Wi-Fi on board. And if you're in United, for example, just become a Mileage Plus account member holder. And it's only $8. Typically with the United States and Hawaii, it's only $8. And then you can book your reservations there. Uh, the internet is not the best, but it's good enough to make, you know, go on Expedia and make your reservations there. And what's really cool is that when we went to London, I was sitting next to someone that lives in London and, and she gave me uh, tips or give me recommendations of where to stay. And we thoroughly enjoyed our stay uh, near Waterloo Station in London. It was really cool. So I was I was really excited about that. Um, 
So just know that don't make any trips. Don't book anything, absolutely anything, which can potentially be a little bit more expensive. But think about it. You're saving yourself thousands of dollars on that flight because it only cost you literally maybe round trip. It cost you less than $500 when it could have cost you thousands. Um, Another thing to consider is that sometimes non-rev travel, once you pay the fees, it might not be the cheapest option either because sometimes Frontier, Spirit, Southwest have really good options and pretty pretty affordable options when you really need to get somewhere. So let's say a non-rev trip would have cost you round trip, uh, let's say $100, and but it's not guaranteed. And then the confirmed ticket on an airline such as Frontiers or even maybe even United, just paying for the ticket yourself regularly would have cost you, let's say $300, but it's, it is guaranteed you're going to get there. Sometimes it's worth it to just pay for the ticket yourself. So take that for what it's worth. Now, how um, there's some apps and I'm going to link them in the show notes that I use. So definitely use the apps for the airline. The best app, and I think as far as non-ref travel goes, I think United takes the cake. United, the United app is by far the best application out there. Any airline I've ever dealt with, United has the best application ever, ever, hands down the best. So make sure that you look at flights. Um, I look for flights on the app. It's very helpful. But there's another app that I use that is called Flight View. And I'll link this in the show notes. It's called Flight View. And this app basically gives you, it's a little bit, it's only direct flights. But it, it definitely helps you give you notifications of aircraft or, or delays. It gives you gate information. And it's really useful. I like to use this app a lot when I'm booking my trips. Uh, you can book anything. It's just for information purposes. But it, it really is a really helpful app. Flight View, it definitely does. Another one that I look for that I use a lot is not an app, but it's actual Google Flights. So if you type in Google LAS to or LAS space DEN flights. So Las Vegas to Denver, it's going to give you that. You put the options and that is also a very good tool that I use. So Google in flight view is what I use a lot to book or to make my decision or make a uh, informed decision of what I'm going to be using. Uh, another one that I like to use is, uh, it's actually more of a kind of aviation geek sort of app and that's actually flight aware so there's actually flight aware uh i use flight aware and there's also flight radar 24 and these apps are going to be linked in the description below or in the i'm sorry in the show notes in flight aware and flight view i like to use those just to see where the aircraft is at if it's delayed or where the airplane is coming from just kind of keep situational awareness of the situation so those are the apps that i like to use um and last but not least i'm all kind of uh, coming toward towards the end of this episode is how to the etiquette when it comes to non-rev travel. So when you are traveling as a non-rev passenger, you are kind of an extension, uh, an extension of your friend's benefits. So there is a dress code. There is a way that uh, typical kind of non-spoken uh, etiquette, I guess, of what, how you should be uh, behaving during these trips. Now, first and foremost, make sure you're not in your flip-flops and you're in your swim trunks and stuff like that. Try to, if you can, try to dress business casual when you're traveling as a non-rev employee. Now, if you are in 
business casual attire, you'll be good to go. So we don't want no mid drifts, etc. We want to be tasteful in our choice of clothing. Make sure that we uphold the uh, dress policy of that airline. So make sure that you do that. Now, what I like to do personally is when I non-rev travel, I like to buy my favorite candy is Snickers. So I buy a big bag of Snickers, those little mini ones, and I offer them to the crew. I say, Hey, would you like one? You know, if you have, if they have nut allergies, they can give it to somebody else. But I usually offer them some candy. I offer them something and say, thanks. And that kind of raises the flag to them and say, Hey, we got non-revers and they typically are nice to you and they'll hand you alcohol. I've gotten that before. So I like to carry every time I non-rev, I like to give candy out to the crews, the gate agents, the pilots, everyone. I just kind of say, hey, thanks for that. Thanks for your uh, thanks for what you do. You know, I appreciate them making sure they feel appreciated because they go through the ringer, especially your flight attendants and gate agents. They are more often than not mistreated. They are super tired of just nasty passengers and you giving them a piece of candy and just saying thank you. That makes their day. So make sure that you're there to provide that for them. Uh, Another thing is once you get to your destination, try to be the last one off the flight. Make sure that paid customers get off first. So even if you're in a rush, well, if you're in a rush, try to stay in the plane, be the last one out, making sure all the paid passengers get off board and try to help the crew. So for example, at Southwest, they kind of quickly clean up and they kind of cross the seatbelts. Do that for them because it's the flight attendants that are doing this. They don't have a cleaning crew. They're the ones that do this. So make sure you're conscious about that. I like to let everyone off board. I just basically sit there until everyone, almost everyone is off board. And as I'm walking my way out, I just rearrange my row of seats to make sure that it's set. That just two or three seconds saved for that particular crew. And it's appreciated. So do that. Be respectful. Do not get completely inebriated. If you are a non-rever, absolutely. You can have a good time. You can have alcohol. You can do that in it. Remember, it cannot be your alcohol. If you bring it, you cannot consume it. So it has to be the onboard alcohol that is provided to you. But do not get sloshed. Be respectful. Do not make a scene. Do not complain about why you didn't get upgraded to first class. Why you thought this person, you saw this other person that was uh, below the wait list on you, but they got upgraded. Do not complain about it. You are traveling basically for free. Even though you might have paid a fee, the airline is not making any money from you. So they're kind of doing us a favor. So yeah, if there's no seats, go ahead. But I've gotten, I've seen passengers that have complained that they did not get upgraded to first class on a 15 minute uh, flight. I'm like, really? Is that big of a deal? Just kind of stay stay low, do the least that you can. You know, inconvenience to flight attendants the least amount of possible. If they come up to you, the more and the nicer you are out to them. And I said, if you give them and you offer them the candy ahead of ahead of time, they will be nicer to you. They will come up to you and say, hey, anything I can get you? Is there anything, drinks, any snack boxes you'll get? You know, I've gotten snack boxes. I got those big uh, liter and a half bottles of water. So it is... The nicer you are to them, the nicer they're going to be to you, and they're going to appreciate that. And if you can just kind of stay out of their way, please do so. Also, 
for pilots and flight attendants, don't bother the crews. You know, don't go up there and chat with them in the galley, maybe just a little bit, but kind of be, you know, take those social cues, right? If they're busy or if they're not really chatty, leave them alone. They're working. You know, for all you know, they're just tired. They're on the last day of their trip. They just don't want to deal with anybody. They want to go home. Okay. And I understand that because I've been, we've all been through that where you just, I'm done. I'm just tired. I just want to do the minute. I just want to do my job right. And I want to go home. I don't have time for this chatty stuff, you know? So be mindful of that. Um, and I think the last but not least, I think is just, uh, Oh, for my pilot friends, if you list specifically list for the jump seat, and you do not get, let's say, uh, I'll give you an example. Let's say that on Southwest, I can only, uh, on Southwest, I'll list for the jump seat because I'm commuting. I have the option of doing non-ref, but I have to pay a fee of like $35. But if I am commuting between Vegas and Denver because I'm going back to work, I'll list myself for the jump seat. And if there is room available in the back, in the cabin, I will be offered a seat and I don't have to go into flight deck. So, if you specifically list yourself for the jump seat as a pilot and you end up getting a seat in the back in the cabin, you still have to check in with that crew. So before you even put your bags away, go into the flight deck, ask the, first of all, ask the lead flight attendant and say, hey, would you mind if I talk to the crew? And they'll say, yes. So they'll go in and say, hey, you have visitors or you have a visitor. You'll talk to the crew. Hey guys, my name is Manny. I'm with SkyWest. I'm hoping to catch a ride with you guys. And I've never been denied. I'll say, yeah, absolutely. They'll check your credentials. So make sure you have your medical, your certificates, and your company badge and have them ready so you can present them to the captain. Uh, typically, they also give you a jump seat or card. Uh, the gate agent will give you, when they award you the seat, they'll give you a card saying that you have to hand over to the captain. They'll verify your information. Once you do that, you exit the flight deck and then you wait for everyone to board. Now, it depends on the airline. Uh, Southwest, I immediately, as I, as I, uh, as after I introduce myself to the crew, I get my bags, I put them on the overhead and I sit in an aisle seat close to the front. That way, if the, uh, if it gets full and they have to take my seat, I can immediately just get my bag really quick and make it to the front of the aircraft with Southwest. They do not allow you to take a, uh, emergency exit seat that is just for paid customers i learned that the hard way recently i went and took an exit uh, uh, emergency exit seat and they have me move they said no you're not part of general boarding you're not paid we have to give this to actual paid customers i'm like okay cool that's understandable but anyways there are certain seats that you cannot take in the southwest because they are reserved for passenger paid passengers only i think is the first few rows as well but that's how you should go about it dive same with spirits and with united you always want to check with the crew first before you make your way to the cabin now another thing is when you are uh, i'll give you an example with united when you go in ask to board first so ask to board before anyone does go down the jet bridge introduce yourself to the to the uh to the flight crew and then you can put your bags away ask the flight attendants if you can put your stuff away and then exit the plane before anyone starts boarding and just wait on the jet bridge until everyone boards and if the flight attendants invite you over to the galley cool but sometimes it's kind of crowded but if they invite you cool but if not just respectfully step outside in the jet bridge and just wait till everyone boards and then you can go in there and if they have a seat they'll give it to you and if they not just you're going to take the flight the the uh, flight deck jump seat that's if you don't get a seat 
Now, if they give you a seat at the gate, then absolutely, you can go ahead and go put your things away and have your seat. But if you specifically listed for the jump seat on the app or on the website, and then you are given a seat by the gate agent, you still have to check in with the crew. Now, if you initially, your reservation, your waitlist reservation was made just to non-rev, you don't have to do that. There's a distinction. So make sure that if you do list as the jump seater and the gate agent ends up giving you a seat at the gate or later when they're boarding, you still have to check in with the flight crew more specifically the captain that is just what we need to do so that's that's it you guys i've talked a lot about non-rev travel if you have any questions please go ahead and message me about them i'll be more than happy to answer them but that's all i have for now thanks again for your support and for being here spending some time with me i really do appreciate it thank you and see you on the next episode sup nerds before i let you go i have a task for you i have a challenge If you can go to the platform where you're listening to this podcast in and go ahead and leave a review, just tap that star, whether it's a five star, I like that very much, or a four, or a three, or two, or a one. It doesn't matter as long as you leave a review and some criticism so I can improve this podcast because I want the Tailwinds and Sunshine podcast to be your podcast. So go ahead and leave that review now. I also want to give a huge shout out to my friends and coworkers for sharing the podcast with their friends and family. That means the world to me. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Also, if you want to be part of the show, go ahead and hit me up. It doesn't matter where you are in the world. We'll make that show happen. We'll make you a friend of the show. Until next time, wishing you tailwinds and sunshine. See ya! The statements made on the show are my own opinion and do not necessarily reflect those of my employer.